Hello, welcome from the Rooker End, outside Vicarage Road, after Watford 1, Sunderland 0. Uh, Watford currently sit 10th. We've moved five places for one win. We'll talk about what that means uh, later on. Um, with me this evening uh, is Jason. Good evening. And Michael. Yes, it's good to be back literally and metaphorically, isn't it? Thank you to everyone who noticed that we didn't do a pod after the Palace game. Yeah. Uh, we're sorry to leave you hanging, but uh, we always leave you wanting more. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what they <laughs> teach us in marketing. Uh, but yeah, Hi. We're back. Uh, yeah, so, so we did do a podcast on the Palace game. We sort of uh, uh, the, the the Tales of the Vicarage special that we did. Um, that was uh, that, the podcast that week. We, we, we came out of that game, Michael, at Southhurst Park, in not the best place as what for fans. It was a terrible game of football, which Crystal Palace won because. Troy Deeney scored an own goal. Someone did tell me he always scores at Southhurst Park, and he always scores at Southhurst Park. Coming into this game, where were you? Where was your head at? We must win the game. Plain and simple. Um, was, it a posit- was it a positive place though? No, it was it was neutral. It was single-minded. We must win the game. I've put a tweet out before the game. I don't care who plays. Don't care about the formation. I don't really care about the performance. And I certainly don't care if Matt Sari speaks English or or waves to the crowd afterwards. We just need to win, and that's where we're at because of that Palace game. Everyone is sort of just sort of all that matters now is the is the points to make sure that we stay in the Premier League as comfortably as possible, um, and then get to summer. Uh, and regroup and really start again because we've got three more points um, in a game here against the uh, bottom of the league Sunderland and of course there was I, don't know, there was, I think there was added not, you, you put that added pressure on yourself really because yeah, if we're going to bloody win a game of football we've got to win against the bottom of the league team um, we deserved it Jason there was no, no, it wasn't like we we, you know, we really deserved it didn't we yeah we deserved it I thought we were the better team they they weren't very good at all that they kept giving the ball away I thought Denier for them had a good game in the middle. Other than that, not much going on, not much going on up front. I think it says it all. Yanazai went off to big cheers from his own fans. That sort of tells you where they are at the moment. Yeah. Their goalkeeper though, Jason, he's he's a, he's good. He's quality. If they do go down, which they probably will, he won't. Someone's going to snap him up, and in my view, he should be get they should get him into that England setup as quick as they can. Southgate needs to get him in the. Uh, First team squad and getting playing games. He is an outstanding keeper. Let, let, let's talk about the the, the lack of s- many players. The, the sort of headline was uh, everyone sort of uh, really grabbing hold of is the fact that you know Watford were up front. Mike lacking Troy Deeney. There was no Troy Deeney up front. He was on the bench. Yeah, and to be perfectly frank, I haven't got an issue with that. I haven't got an issue with. Um, with changing up the squad, you spoke before about how despondent everyone was after the Palace game. The the form spoke for itself. Two wins in 14, I think, before today, so three in 15. So no one should should be saved from 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 being dropped or, or, or replaced. And we've said it all along, including Troy Deeney. I think we all recognise the importance he plays on and off the pitch. And you're never going to be wanting for effort for, from Troy. But with Troy in the team, we haven't delivered. The team have been very, very poor. We've been sliding downwards in the wrong direction. The performances have been getting progressively worse. And I'm certainly not blaming any of the players who weren't picked today. But I can understand why, as a head coach, you're desperate to, to change something. What's the bit easiest way of, of changing something or the most obvious or straightforward way of changing it? Change the personnel. So I think the, the dropping of Troy Deeney and Pruder were big calls um, from the head coach. Fair play to him. It shows that he's focused on doing things his way and that's what he thought would get the result. He went for it and he's been uh, he's been vindicated. Watford won the game and then, as Jason said, they, uh, they did it fairly comfortably. I think 
the game was Watford in a nutshell. First 10 minutes, absolutely devoid of confidence. Um, and we made Sunderland look like Man United or Chelsea, whoever. I mean, it took us that 10, 15 minutes to realise just how awful Sunderland were. Um, but Jay, so Carker, who, a uh, friend of the podcast, he, you know, I'm not saying he's been inconsistent. You know, a player who doesn't play regularly as him can feel a little bit inconsistent. How did you feel his role almost like the direct swap for Deeney, uh, the big man up front. How did, how did he do? You say you don't want to use the word inconsistent, but there were inconsistencies there. What he didn't do well, I think there were balls balls into him that he, I don't know why he just didn't, and certainly in the first half, didn't seem to control them, didn't left them. I'm not sure what he was doing, whether it was the timing of his runs, whether it was the passes to him, I don't know. What he did do really well, and even more so in the second half, was holding the ball up. Balls played in at all sorts of um, all sorts of levels, whether it's to his feet, to his chest, to his head. He was controlling them really well. He sort of taking those long balls, a good touch for a big man, as they say. <laughs> and the second touch was good, and the third touch was good, and he wasn't losing it. They would close him down, and he was still coming away with the ball and then laying it off. And I thought that aspect of his game was was really good. What he doesn't do as well, probably, is off the shoulder, and that's where you need. The guys in this in this sort of front three, whether it's four five one, the wide players, or a four three three, the Niangs and the Amrabats, and maybe to look to to cut inside and help him out there. But I, for for a man who hasn't played much football, that was a, a half decent performance today. Yeah, the Niang was up there with him, who um, shone I think quite more in the first half than the second. He had a charging run at one point where you think, God, if he if he'd finished it off, that was goal of the season, locked in. Again with him, the last few games, I think you, it, it, there are definitely moments you go, yes, I see it. I know what you're going to be able to do. You can see the the skill, you can see the flair, you can see the the attack, but it, it's still not 100 percent there. I thought he was great today. I thought he played. I thought he played well today and did well to bounce back from what was a pretty poor performance at, at Palace. I thought the way he holds himself, his his gait, his sort of the way he stands and runs, it, do, it makes it very easy for him to look amazing and very easy for him to look pretty poor as well. He's kind of like Kapoor in that regard. Just the way he he makes it look very easy. So when he beats a man, it looks absolutely fantastic. But he can also, if it doesn't quite go for him, he can look quite ungainly and quite sort of um, uncertain. So he's, he's a funny one, but I thought he played I thought he played well today. And he, like Watford, grew into the game in that first half. After that first sort of 10 minutes, which were a bit wobbly for everyone, he was really, him and Kapu, I think, were the, were the driving force between about turning it round, getting into the Sunderland half. And, you know, once we got the bit between our teeth, the game was almost exclusively in the Sunderland half for the, the rest of that first half. But I was... I was pleased with Niang. That was much more like the player we saw in his early Watford career. He sort of seemed to draw a line under Palace, and he's he's moved on. And if we can, I think we need to capture him permanently because uh, he could be an important player for us. Do you th- really, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I want him as a Watford player, no doubt. I think we saw a couple of times he they he just left players on the floor. He doesn't look particularly strong, but he is, and he, and he's quick, and he's and he's fleet of foot, and he he's comfortable on the ball. So. A whole host of attributes that uh, I think are, are really exciting. Not the finished article by any means. He's obviously his career has been a bit checkered. Um, I mean, the fact that he's probably most best known for that YouTube clip of him jumping off the uh, second floor of an apartment building <laughs> into a into a swimming pool probably says it all. But I think we've seen enough to to be excited about. You know, if we can keep a player like that at Watford, then. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I want him as a as a full time Hornet. Okay, because there's a thing about him. When, whenever we get to safety, we're going to do a podcast about the future, and you know him and several other players 
um, particularly Decore, who we'll get onto later. Uh, what what is Watford's next step? It'd be interesting to see where a player him fits into it. But one player who um, is back, Jason. Uh, for today's game, back at the vicarage for uh, oh, since before Christmas now. Um, oh no, maybe just after Christmas. Whatever he got injured. Uh, 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 Amrabat uh, was back. Um, not not his full full on effect, but he was back. Yeah, and it was a sort of first game back performance you'd expect, I think, from Amrabat. He was prepared to have a go at players. He was getting tight into his defenders and then trying to get away from them. He was getting a little bit frustrated when things didn't go his way we've seen that from him before where he sort of he is I think he is quite unique in a in one of those wide attacking players that he is quite solid and he doesn't mind a bit of rough and tumble whereas other players other sort of wide attacking players don't they're not into that at all um, so there was a bit of that going on as well um, and ultimately probably wasn't surprising that he came off when he did because yeah. this is his first game back we maybe could have got a little bit more from him but good enough to uh, to think we're going to see more from him for the rest of the season well the, the great thing was that he came on the man who came on for him was success who everyone wanted to see more success and we got to see more of him Michael yeah I think I was a little bit frustrated he had that chance to make it 2-0 I think his first pretty much his first touch was, was, a, was a volley that got deflected over for, for a corner and I think we scored from the, the resulting sort of melee and then he got put through great balls to put him through one on one, and he kind of fluffed his lines really to make it make it two nil. And there's a couple of moments where he sort of his head and his head and what he wanted to do with the ball were ahead of his feet, and he and he left the ball behind. So the usual incredible cameo from from success. He changes games. He gets people off their feet. He gives defenders an absolute torrid time one way or the other. Great to see him back. It's a bit of a conundrum as to as to whether he's being used appropriately, whether he is fully fit. Um, you can kind of see the sort of player he is. The, the way he performs is you wonder what it'd be like for 90 minutes of success because it, it's so sort of uh, hasem Jason, isn't there really the right, the right way to describe it? That's doing a disservice, but it's, it's bonkers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's, it's all action. I think as well, if we're going to talk about success, we have to talk about his defending today as well because his defending today was fantastic. When, when we got a little bit nervous towards the end, when we were 1-0, with not long to go he was tracking back he was making tackles uh, and not not strikers or forward players tackles he was making proper defensive tackles he did well on, on that front for me he also did well not to get riled I think there was a little mix up in the opposition half where um, in the in the, in the Sunderland half where people were basically trying to wind him up and he looks like he's going to get he looked like a WWF wrestler for a minute <laughs> you know dreadlocks flying but he sort of just dusted himself down and as Jay said sprinted into the back into the Watford defence to, to line up and do do his duty so you know I, I don't think it's ever a sad moment when you see Isaac's success on the pitch for Watford it's a it's a really fascinating one. Why aren't we seeing him for 90 minutes? Is he not fully fit? Can we? Can, can he do it for 90 minutes? Um, uh, is he a luxury? You know, is, he, is that his best thing, coming on for sort of half an hour, 40 minutes? Um, hopefully, well, we'll get to see in the fullness of time. But again, it was, a, it was another electrifying performance, wasn't it? It's, great. it's a great player to see, to, to see at Vicarage Road, isn't it? And, you know, it's one where you have to sort of remind yourself how lucky we are to be sitting watching these players. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So that was an attack without Deeney. Uh, we'll get the midfield without Barami and a uh, defence without Prudel in a minute. Uh, but we've got a brand new feature uh, on from the rookery end, uh, a little quiz that you can get involved with. All you need is your pause button. Uh, it's your buzzer. It's called Going for Golden. Uh, Mike, do you, were you a big fan of the daytime quiz? Forerunner for Pointless and, uh, and the chase. Uh, going for Gold. 
yeah, it's still still the uh, it still sets the standard for me. <laughs> Henry Kelly was the uh, the doyen, wasn't he? Really, of afternoon sort of quiz shows, and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, an honour and a privilege to have reworked a magical format uh, into perhaps an even more magical little feature. Uh, it is a uh, going for gold was a pan-European competition with many players from around Europe. Oh, just like Watford. <laughs> uh, so here is our brand new feature, going for golden. Welcome to another edition of Going for Golden. As you play along at home or on the move, remember, you can buzz in at any time you'd like to guess. All you need to do is press the pause button on the device you're listening on. If you guess wrong, you can keep guessing, but your score won't count. You could keep a record of your score after every week. All right, let's play Going for Golden. For five points, who am I? I made my professional debut for Arsenal and it ended at Brentford. Four points. But as a Hornet, I was winner of the player of the season twice. Three points. My debut was in 1979 after a £150,000 move from Sunderland. Two points. And in the subsequent 317 games for the Golden Boys, I scored 22 goals. One point. And I was an ever-present defender for the club for a decade before moving to Sheffield Wednesday in 1989. Going for We're the Orns, you're the Orns. The answer will be later on in the podcast. So let's talk about the midfield without Barami. I had a half worry in my head that it would be it wouldn't be industrious enough. Jason, it just wouldn't have a grit to it, but it worked. Oh, it worked. Oh, oh, Decore, 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 Decore. It was fabulous today. I, I absolutely loved Decore today. I, it was outstanding. I think, to be fair, he was given license to roam around sort of at the back of our midfield by Sunderland. They didn't really put him under much pressure, particularly in the first half. But he read the game so well, he seemed to be first to the, the the loose passes the loose balls the 50-50s um, put his foot on it he was driving into space when the space was there finding the pass when the pass was there he was my man of the match and I, I thought he had a great game and it's and it's great to see we've heard a lot about him how, how what, a, what a definitely talented prospect he is um, we'd not really seen much of that come true but today I thought he was absolutely superb and if you're talking industry as well cleverly typical energetic box to box performance from him today summed up beautifully by a, a tackle in the second half uh, where Sunderland were trying to catch us on the break he's got back covering covering the uh, defence and it, yeah, it, similar to the one he did against Joe Barton against Burnley it was, it was a, a fantastic tackle got the, the rookery end cheering Typical cleverly, yeah. And a fantastic mark that he's, he's. I don't know if he technically he's signed. I'm sure there's some waiting for a window to open or something or another around football. But uh, but he's going to be around new five year deal. That's great. Yep, I think so. Um, and we mentioned you know it's a midfield without Barami. I think that's he is kind of the replacement. I think he's that workhorse. He's a guy who's who's not afraid to snap into tackles. He did it countless times today. He's he's someone who's never going to take a step backwards, despite his relatively slight slight frame. Uh, I mean, I think he's probably stockier than than you'd imagine, but. Yeah, I think it's a great... You could have him, Mike. You could have him. Yeah, well, look at me, skinhead. <laughs> uh, nutter, mate. I'll take anyone. 
Um, uh, where were we? Yeah, I'm just imagining myself uh, fighting people and giggling now. <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, I think it's a great signing. A great signing. Um, and yeah, and that, that midfield worked today. I think Kapu allowed it to work as well. I think, like Jason said, Decore was great, and he's starting to show signs of uh, uh, of why we heard such good things about him uh, over the summer. But what a difference a, a sort of switched on Kapu makes he was he was, was, he, was he just switched on or was he just in a slightly more central position where we all know that's where he can shine a bit better no I think he was switched on I think uh, this was a game that this, what this group of players knew that they couldn't lose uh, because if they did there was going to be you know the crowd were going to be unhappy the club were going to be unhappy and the table was going to make for pretty pretty grim reading so this was one they knew they couldn't they couldn't lose and I think Kapu played, played accordingly I thought he got forward well he worked hard to, to, and battled, whereas you know he did all the things that he, he hasn't done previously. He looked bothered, um, and yeah, he just got he, just, he got stuck in when he had to. He tried to play balls when he had to, and he did that one. You know, when he gets the ball and drives, he looks terrifying. He, he's, he's like a uh, he's like a racehorse, just to, you know, and he'll go right through the uh, midfield and get to the edge of the box, and things happen. He just doesn't do it often enough, but he did today, and that allowed Cleverly to do his thing. It allowed um, Decore to do his thing, and it allowed. Um, the other guys allowed Amrabat to sort of ease himself back in without having to do too much, too much hard work. So, yeah, I thought midfield-wise it, it, it worked quite nicely. We need more from Amrabat. And I have to say, he looked very upset when he came off. He looked very nonplussed. Um, and there was a bit frosty between him and, uh, and Matsari when he came off. But uh, I think it's a, it was a sensible thing to do, bearing in mind he's had a, a long spell out with injury. Mike's surname is Parkin, he has a son called Arlo, and this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to be joined once again on Michael Parkinson, live from Vicarage Road, Arlo. Arlo, how are you? Good. Now, we've just seen Watford win 1-0. You had a question you wanted to uh, answer, which was, which was the, which did you think was the best Sunderland player? Number 18, Defoe. Defoe. Now, Watford have won, Watford have won, that's a valuable three points. The big question, are Watford now safe from relegation? No. No, you still think there's a danger they might go down? Yeah, by Tottenham and Liverpool. You think that puts us in danger of relegation? Yeah. Do you think we'll stay in the Premier League? Mm, maybe. Maybe. Leaving us on tenderhooks. Thanks very much, Arlo. Bye-bye. So we've had a, an attack without Dini and a midfield without Barami. And it, what about the defence without Prudel? Michael, I sort of half wondered, knew that he might not be around um, because he, he, he probably only got back to training on Friday that's always the, the pain I think with this international breaks that we have there, I think there was a moment which Jason's definitely going to agree with me was actually when K- Kabul got injured Yeah. and it wasn't terrible before that but it wasn't quite functioning quite right was it? Yeah I mean the question we've got to ask and I'm sure we'll come on to, to Matt Zari because although we've been talking about players putting in decent performances so today I think we have to have to mention that up and you know over the last two three weeks things have felt bad um, and just because we've beaten a very 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 poor Sunderland side today I don't think we can brush the sort of past fortnight under the, under the carpet but yeah one of the questions for me was Jan Matt's on the bench why isn't he in at right back why is Cathcart I mean I like Craig Cathcart I think he does okay there um, he's a cool calm and collected he's, when it, I don't think he ever lets Northern Ireland down at international level so he knows football he's a good player but we've got a right back 
why not play him instead of instead of Cathcart as a right back? So that was a puzzling one for me. And as you say, no one wants to see anyone injured uh, apart from Sunderland, who <laughs> I think it was West Ham who were very very charitable to their ex players when when they were here. They gave Zarate a good good round of applause and stuff. But Sunderland, the most uncharitable bunch of fans. <laughs> Kabul got absolutely hammered. Janmat got hammered as you'd expect. And then yes, Janazai got absolute <laughs> pelted. I mean, to be fair, if I was a Sunderland fan watching that lot all season. I'd be pretty grumpy as well. And travelled. They must have left early this morning and the long coach journey and all the rest of it. I can understand that. But the, the, the big change was, Jason, when uh, Kubo went off, we wondered what was going to happen. Was it a straight poodle swap? Um, but actually it wasn't. Um, Yamat came on and that put Curry Cathcart into the, the middle uh, of, uh, of the four. And that was, that was Craig of old. It was, yeah. I, I thought he did very well. I, was, I must admit, I was a little bit nervous about him having to play in the middle. Um, we have to mention Britos in all of this as well, mm, I think, yeah. as Britos, Britos had a, a very good game today, I thought. Yeah, Cathcart did very, very well. Uh, again, I sort of said about Decore ridden the game well. I think Cathcart did that well again today. And, and he looked solid. They're not much getting past him, if anything. But what it also did for me, the, the, the big thing, bringing Yanma on, all of a sudden we had an outlet on the right-hand side. For the first 35 minutes when Cathcart was playing right-back, he was getting loads of space and loads of room down that right-hand side probably because Sunderland knew he wasn't a threat but we seemed uh, the rest of our team seemed to think he wasn't a threat either because we just weren't giving him the ball we weren't looking to pass the ball to him when he was in acres of space and just sort of let him sit back and defend so once Yamat was on all of a sudden you had Holobas down the left Yamat down the right threats from both sides outlets on both sides when things got a bit tricky uh, we were able to switch the ball across the back quite quickly because we had a choice of whether we wanted to go down the right or down the left. And that was a big difference. And like, as we said, it, it didn't affect the defensive unit, the defensive part of that, in any way, shape or form. We continued def- to defend really well. And I did love his, uh, his header back into across the, across the goal for um, uh, Britos's uh, goal. There were certain moments think, when you see Cathcart, he just looked so calm and cool and together. Um, and... He's one of those players, you know, I know he's part of that, that uh, promotion side team and you sort of watch him and you want them to still be around and certain players like him and Gomez and, and Dini to sort of not be pushed away at any point ever. Um, so it was lovely to see him back. Um, uh, but you said, Mike, Holobas controlled at last. It was a disciplined, tight, focused performance and we got... We saw what a good player Holibas was today. He was he was neat and tidy when when he had to be defensively. He was powerful when he needed to be when he was breaking forward, and he managed to manoeuvre himself into a number of opportunities where he could unleash that left foot of his, which, as we know, is an absolute absolute corker of a of a it's a weapon. It's a you know, and so I thought we saw everything that you'd want to for, from Holibas today. None of this getting forward, then meandering back and getting back in time for the second half. You know, he, he worked hard, he got back into position and contributed fully to the side. Um, and like I say, he was tight, he was disciplined, he was focused. And if we got that from him every week, we'd be a much, much better team. So Watford sit at this very moment, 10th in the Premier League. Might not end up 11th, might be 12th. Uh, depends what happened with the Southampton and Bournemouth game. It is a bizarre league, Jason. There is literally three points from like 19th to, to 9th. Um, what the fans are worried we could be relegated we could be relegated who knows but actually there's a heck of a lot of teams about 10 who if, they're in, if we're above them at the moment they could all be possibly maybe relegated it is it's bizarre we, yeah, we, we're in the top half of the table as we speak <laughs> um, but yeah we are nearer 
nearer the relegation spots than we are eighth, I think, at the moment. So um, yeah, it's seven, seven to relegation, but ten to, uh, to uh, obviously that could all change Tuesday, yeah. hopefully. Um, so yeah, so we still need to still need to be worried. Yes, there are a lot of teams there, but if you get sucked back into it, then you just got to. It would be too easy to sit there and go and be complacent and go, oh, we're all right, we're sorted now, we'll be safe. And before you know it, you're back in the mix and uh, fighting for your lives when you've got games against Man City and Liverpool to come. So still need to be wary. But it's a great league, isn't it? It's like, it is like the championship. It's fantastic. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's turned into the championship. I'm going to put my head on the block and I'm going to say we don't need to worry about relegation. I think we're no. probably just a couple of points now away from... From being saved, I think it's going to be lower than normal. The the barrier to stay up this year, but what I would say is we need to worry about is you know we've this has been a, a positive podcast after a very very difficult couple of months, and I think we've spoken rightly so in positive terms about the majority of players who played today. But why is it taken you know this, get to this stage where it's almost not make or break? But if we'd have lost today, we'd have been in deep deep doo doo. I think going up into Tuesday's game against an informed West Brom, I think they've got a point at, at Old Trafford today. Mm. Um, very very difficult. I'd take a point point now. How have we got ourselves to this stage? I think we know that this group of players are are talented. I think we know there's enough skill there, even with the injuries we've had. So you've got to look inwards a little bit as to at, at, at the manager, really, at the head coach. I think it's about time we sort of really called him out and said, "How? Why have you not got these guys playing?" Well, you, and, and we've got a we've still got a problem there. Um, if we need to be more consistent, I'm totally prepared to accept it's a difficult division. We're playing against, you know, even Sunderland's got Jermaine Defoe up front and the, and the next future England goalie in uh, in between the sticks. So I, reckon, I accept it's difficult. Every game is easy. We've got no right to to expect um, easy wins or results week in, week out, or, or even to have more points than we have now. But I think there's enough smoke around what's coming out of the camp and there's enough, you know, we've all seen with our own two eyes the various sort of peaks and troughs of the performance. And there's been too many troughs, haven't there, really, this year? There's been too many weak performances that have been followed up with different but equally weak performances. And there's been no consistency and there's just that real... It's more than a nagging doubt, isn't it, if we're honest, in terms of how the, how the team's been set up, how it's going out week in, week out. The players are, are played without confidence. You look at the first 10 minutes today. We played against Sunderland, demonstrably the worst team in the division. I mean, I'm sorry to any Sunderland fans listening. Why are you listening, I would say. Um, Especially 25 minutes in, yeah. But appalling. An appalling football side with absolutely no hope of staying in this division. And for 10 minutes, Watford danced around them and, and made them look like world beaters. Well, we didn't get out of our half for 10, 15 minutes. And that comes from a lack of confidence in each other, in themselves as a team. And that all comes from something. And it's, that comes from a, a, a year that has been difficult. It has been, you, know, you just have to wonder, looking inside, whether basically that squad has been mismanaged. The questions are there. And we'll probably never find out the answers but you just you just want to know but my, my, I've got I've got a I'm going to put my neck out a little bit mm-hmm. we're going to beat either Tottenham Liverpool or Manchester City because what I have learnt this season is that we do it against the big teams we just don't do it that well against everybody else somewhere along there we'll pull out performance and hopefully it'll be next Saturday and 12 o'clock kick off with us sat there yeah. in uh, White Hart Lane for the final time that's, uh, that's the one I fear the most I think Tottenham are the, are the, are the team that are most uh, set up to give us a good a good hiding. I think uh, Liverpool and Man City at home 
what they'll have to play for is is debatable and I think they could either of those teams could easily have an off day I think Tottenham have been much more um, uh, well consistent and they, they look they look threatening and I, I do worry I do worry <laughs> about, about Saturday but we'll be there half 12 kick off and uh, the worst comes to worst we can have a few beers in the afternoon can't well, we the good thing is uh, the Sunderland fans who have driven all the way to Watford today have to go all the way back after a 1-0 uh, loss Getting back from Tottenham is, is not going to be that long a journey uh, back to Watford. Well, we um, done a bit. We 6-1 on a Sunday at Anfield. wasn't much fun coming back <laughs> yeah. from, so I've got not that much sympathy. We've all been there. Um, but thank you very much for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed the new uh, f- uh, feature, uh, Going for Gold. If you would like to write uh, a quiz question for Going for Gold, and then, uh, then please do. All you need to do is five uh, clues, uh, each getting uh, the answer, making it easier. I'll explain that each, uh, each one making it a bit easier to, to find the answer uh, it can be a Watford player it could be a f- another Watf- another team's player that has some, a significance to Watford it could be a place because on going for gold it wasn't just people they talked about it could be objects as well I would, I would say if you're younger than the, us three which I think most of you well quite a lot of you probably are Google and YouTube will be your friend when it comes to going for gold because there will be an entire generation that won't have, any, have a clue about that so uh, yeah do YouTube it so you know exactly what we're talking about and yeah we'd love to hear your questions uh, here is though the answer to this week's and the, the inaugural going for golden going for golden for no points and I was suspended from playing in the 1984 FA Cup final. Who am I? That's right, I'm Wilf Rostron. Wilf Rostron, Wilf Rostron. Who would, who would have guessed? Maybe you did. Remember, collect your points, remember how many you got, uh, and see how many you get for the rest of the season, and the final eight or so from the rookery ends. I'm, uh, disappoint- I'm disappointed that one of the clues wasn't who did Jason's mum knit <laughs> a little toy of Jason. when I was younger? That would have been too easy. Everyone would have got it. Uh, I, think it's, oh, I, think, I think that's object number two in our uh, What From 100 Objects uh, list. I think we're listening. Uh, do follow us on social media at What For Podcast. Uh, and we'll be back next week uh, after Mike and I hopefully see some decent sort of performance from Watford at White Hart Lane. Come on, you ones!